Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. It is a spooky, spooky time of the year. Happy Halloween. Sadie, how you doing? I am doing great. We are bringing possibly the scariest content that we have ever brought to the podcast for you today. This content is so scary that it is literally traumatizing to some people. <laughs> it is. But hopefully we can present it in a way that is not going to be too upsetting for our listeners. I think we can do it. I have confidence. As always, we are your hosts. My name is Gabrielle Hakoan. And I'm Sadie Carpenter. And we are here to present with you a review of I don't know how else to put it, a bad movie. We watched a bad movie and we're gonna is talk about it. This movie not so bad that it's good. This movie is like so bad that it's good, and then it's so bad after that that it's bad again, and then it's so bad after that that it's good again. That is absolutely um, correct. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> we the movie that we watched, the movie that we're talking about now is The Burning Hell. But even if you have not watched the movie yet, which you can watch for free, it's up on YouTube. It's like an hour if you want to if you want to go watch that movie. Um, even if you have not watched that movie. This will still be an interesting episode to listen to because we're going to talk about hell, the teachings about hell, uh, and, and all that sort of stuff in general. So it's going to be a fun movie to talk about. We're just kind of using the movie as like a way to to kind of broach these topics because there's some stuff that's represented that Sadie's going to understand that I don't quite understand, and she's going to have to explain some stuff to me, which is going to be fun. And I am going to cover... When we actually, I'm going to go ahead and do my trigger warning now because you brought that up. In general, we talk about a lot of potentially triggering topics on this show. 
including but not limited to suicide and mental health, racism, misogyny, PTSD, PTSD symptoms, child abuse, mental, physical, sexual abuse, and spiritual abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we mention at least a few of these themes, but we try to avoid graphic detail unless it's important to the story that we're telling. And we do our our best to give the audience a heads up before we get into detail on any of these topics. This episode includes talk about hell. We won't be speaking about it as if it is a reality, because that's not something that aligns with either one of our personal views. No. So so we're we're not going to be we're not going to be preaching to you about how to avoid hell, but on a <laughs> but beyond <laughs> that. We are also, we are not going to be treating this as a real topic, so that may help with people who are traumatized by this. I'm going to give you a list of things that are going to be mentioned. Um, Let's see. Demons, maggots, fire, preaching, altar calls, the song, Just As I Am. We won't be singing it. I know it's so traumatizing to so many people. Uh, A motorcycle accident, decapitation, general torture in the hell scenes. This this movie is extremely. You forgot cool. bad makeup and bad, bad costume. makeup. I, well, if that <laughs> triggers somebody, <laughs> um, this yeah. this movie is it's funny because it's corny and it's overdone. And I don't want to pressure somebody to listen to, to this episode if it's not a good idea for them. But I do want you to know that we are we are very much treating this as a corny, funny thing. And well, I will give you a heads up before there are a couple gross up, gross out moments in this film. I'll give you a heads up before we get there. So this movie, uh, I, I we were talking about it, I think, and Sadie said that it was. You said it was a four out of ten on the traumatic scale. That's about what I got. Like there, there were moments where it kind of, ooh, that got me. But it's a ten out of ten on the entertaining scale. So. Yeah. So usually, immediately after the moment that kind of triggered me, there would be something that was so hilarious that it would snap me out of it. Yeah. Um. So we're that's what we're going to talk about today: the Burning Hell, a a 1974 film. Before we get into that, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show if you are a fan of our show there's a couple of things that you can do to help us out you can join our patreon which is patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast a great place that you can find extended and uncensored and ad free versions of most of our episodes including today's episode because you know we're going to go off the rails and you're going to want to hear where that train goes uh (laughs) yeah yeah it's gonna go off the track just like uh ken's motorcycle did when he got decapitated spoilers <laughs> gavi spoilers <laughs> uh yeah and you can join our facebook group which is facebook.com slash groups slash eden exodus you can join our subreddit which is reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus um anything else before i thank the faith promise missions to your patrons mm, nothing comes to mind i think we can do that Okay, well, we have many Faith Promise Missions to your patrons, but we have two, count them two, I gave it all to your patrons, they are Kathleen Moncrief and Melissa Mosley. Thank you so much to Kathleen and Melissa for supporting the show. It's really amazing the that 
you guys support us in such a big way. It's fantastic. And we're just so appreciative of you. And we are also appreciative of our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. And your names are Alex Todd, Allison MacArthur, Anisha Patel, Brittany, Brooke Tully, Carrie R., Krissa, Crystal Patterson, Dear Ethan Hansen, The Musical, Eleanor Donahue, Elizabeth DeWorth, Emery Fairlosser, Hannah Ross, Hope Norum. I'm just here to send Sadie true crime podcast suggestions, um, which, wait, is that my actual BF? Meg isn't my actual BFF anymore. Meg is just here to send Sadie true crime podcast suggestions. I'm sure uh, she's still your actual BFF as well. Okay, well, she changed my. We can't let people put like a paragraph in there because then we'd never get through this. Yeah, that's true. Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Kat Hedberg, Kay Terwee, Catherine Schneider, Kristen Marie, Lauren Vanderwall. Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, Michaela, the yoga pants wearing Subaru driver, Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Mary Martin, a.k.a. the actor who played Peter Pan on Broadway, Megan Arndt, Mike Smith, Miranda Day, Rachel Bernadowitz, Rebecca Hoyt, Rob the Methodist, Sarah Reese, Shane Horton, Stephanie Johnson, Susie, Tara McNamara, the Lady Rabbi, Tiffany Enderby, Walnut, Son of Walnut, and Wes the Cowboy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much to our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons and to everybody who supports our show on Patreon. And to everybody who supports our show by listening to it and recommending it to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your enemies, your... Yeah, I see uh, some of you sometimes. Um, sometimes I'm lurking in a, in a Facebook group and I see I see you. I see it on Reddit sometimes, which is a lot of fun, just to, to see my mm-hmm. name pop up. It's in a, a real treat when, when we come up in the wild, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. yeah, every time I do that, I, I, I every time I see it, I screenshot it and send it to Sadie. We, we send it to each other. We celebrate that. So we see all of you who are supporting us in non-financial ways as well, because that still helps a lot and it still means a lot. Yeah, and we wouldn't be where we are today without you guys doing that. So let's get into the burning hell. <laughs> The burning hell. Okay. Where little children are falling. Where little children. Thank you. Oh, thanks. You got me and Heather on that one. Good job. So the, I want to tell you like what this movie is before we get into the plot. If I can do, do that. It. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So there was a preacher from Mississippi in the 1960s and 70s. And his name is Estes Perkle. That is his real name. <laughs> that is... 100% his real name. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss name. <laughs> E-S-T-U-S Estes Perkle, P-I-R-K-L-E. Uh, y'all are probably going to hear my accent come out in this episode. Just I, I should probably give the disclaimer <laughs> because I've been listening to all these Southern people. Um, so Estes Perkle was a Southern Baptist minister from Mississippi, and he had the idea to make some Christian propaganda movies. Uh, the big one that he did, hold on, let me make sure I'm getting, I want to make sure I'm getting the title right. If footmen tire you, what will horses do? This movie came out in 1971, and it was an anti-communist Christian propaganda film. That's and it a was, long title. That's a... 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this this guy. Um, box office success or uh, or or nah? I don't think flop. it ever went to a box office. I think it was so. It was never actually meant. Uh, none of Perkle's movies were actually meant to be distributed the way that typical movies are. This was shown at churches and Christian revival meetings and Christian campgrounds, and it was kind of meant to be an internal document, if you will. And it's only in in recent years that these movies that Perkle made have gotten a little bit more mainstream recognition. So the director that Perkle worked with for all of the movies that he made was this guy named Ron Ormond. So Ron Ormond and Estes Perkle make a very interesting partnership. Ron Ormond was a director of exploitation films in the 1960s. One non-Christian film I read about that Ormond directed was described as, quote, a Mondo crossed with a sex ed movie and, quote, a mixtape for the mentally disturbed. So interesting for those whose husbands have forced them to watch natural born killers like mine did <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> this is like the movies that like the movies that inspired natural born killers. If you haven't seen like I've seen a fair few of this genre of movies because my husband is a marvelous weirdo who I love. Um, but if you haven't seen a lot of like Mondo or exploitation movies, um, if you've seen Natural Born Killers, it's kind of like that. Like, that's the genre here. <laughs> I mean, if you've seen, like, a lot of Tarantino films, a lot of his films are very, very, very inspired by exploitation film from the, the, the 60s and the 70s. Right. They're just, at, like, like a, a little bit watered down and better special effects and better writing and a more coherent storyline. That's, uh, that's really it. Yeah, and more feet, of course. Because <laughs> it's <laughs> Tarantino. <laughs> So, Ron Ormond was this director who did this very specific genre of movie. He had a literal come-to-Jesus moment. He got born again, and he was like, oh, I can't be making these movies about busty women in compromising situations and drugs anymore. Uh, I guess I should make movies about Jesus now. So, that's what he did. And he was shooting these Christian movies where he partnered with Estes Perkle in very, very much the same style of filmmaking that he was using in his previous career before he got born again. So it's, it is a really interesting movie just from that, I think. I have seen uh, Orman's Christian filmography referred to as the Grindhouse Gospel, which I really think is the perfect moniker. Really? The Grindhouse Gospel. Is that not it? That is it. That's a great band name. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. So so that is the the style of movie that we are talking about here and the type of movie that we're talking about here. Also, I have one, one other thing before we jump in. Hold on. The Burning Hell, another thing that makes it really unique is that Almost every actor in the film is a person from one of the churches that was involved in making this movie. Some of these people were from Mobile, Alabama, 
and went to, I believe it was Dauphin Way Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. And my grandparents knew some of the people in this movie. Like, my dad grew up knowing some of the, the extras in this movie. Wow. So this was something that he was always really interested in because he would sit and try to pick out the people who were friends with his parents who like appeared in this movie. That's so fun. Yeah. That's hilarious. So um, I have that that personal connection. And of course, <laughs> I'm, I always love hearing a beautiful Southern accent, even if it's coming from Moses. But we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Let's talk about the plot of the movie. Yeah. So this movie, I mean, the format of the movie is that it seems like what it will be is it will be, it's like Estes Perkle is like the star of the film. Basically, most of what he does in this movie is he's giving a sermon at the church. And then when he breaks out to do a sermon illustration or tell a story from the Bible, there will be like a cutaway and, mm-hmm. and people will be acting out that scene. Right. So the the whole movie is framed in this sermon that Perkle is giving. There are guest appearances from other preachers who will just kind of show up as a talking head to validate a point that Perkle is making. And then uh, it will also cut away to biblical scenes as Perkle's voice narrates the biblical scene. You'll see people acting it out. And then there is a subplot uh about these two hippies, Tim and Ken. So, yeah, so bef- t- well, I want to talk about the opening scene before we get to Tim and Ken. Please do, because the opening scene was. <laughs> so, the opening scene is a choir of white people uh, in very, very 60s outfits with like the giant bouffant and everything standing. How would you describe, is it, are they standing in like a, how, what is the word for this? Where there's f- just fire coming out of the ground. I don't like, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know that there was a word for that. There, there is. So they're, they're standing in what looks like a valley, but there is randomly fire coming out of the ground around them. Like if a coal mine underground catches on fire. Or an oil well underground catches on fire. It kind of looks like that. And they're singing a hymn. And the entire first two or three minutes of the film is just these people standing very still singing a hymn with fire. And then the second scene of the film is R.J. Lee making the first guest appearance, like celebrity preacher guest appearance. All of my ex-fundies already know who R.J. Lee is. He was a really big name IFB preacher, very old school. R.G. Lee is interesting. He was a leader in fundamentalism along with uh, John R. Rice and J. Frank Norris. Before he was the Jack- guy in the white suit, right? Mm-hmm. Before yeah. Jack Hiles came along. And when Jack Hiles was still like the new generation of fundamentalists before Hiles became the leader, the leaders were people like R.G. Lee, John R. Rice, and J. Frank Norris. So if you're thinking back to the Bob Jones episode where we talked about the fundamentals... R.A. Torrey was the one of the guys that wrote The Fundamentals. And then there's a generation gap between those guys and Jack Hiles. And R.G. Lee is one of those people that was really instrumental during that generation gap. Now we can get to the actual plot of this movie. Oh, my God. This is so... Tim and Ken. So Tim and Ken are two uh, cool dudes 
uh, in the 1970s uh, who ride motorcycles. It's, it movie came out in 1974. 74. Baby. You're right. Yeah, they're they're dressed entirely in denim. They both have mustaches and long hair, and they ride motorcycles. Tim looks like knockoff Tommy Chong. I thought that Ken looked like knockoff John C. Riley. Ken. Ken. Ken's the one yeah. that dies. He looks kind of like knockoff John C. Riley. Yeah, uh, I, I see it. And then Tim, the one who doesn't die, looks like a mashup of knockoff Cheech and Chong if they were like the same person. Yeah. And <laughs> like so both of them in the same person, but wish.com version. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're in like the Jesus movement is is the sort um, of. Yeah. So yeah. They, they, they go in to talk to uh, uh, they, they go in to talk to the preacher. Um, they go in to talk to Estes and. They say, hey, we want to talk to you about Jesus. And Estes is like, well, that's fantastic. I'm a preacher. I love to talk about Jesus. Are you guys out soul winning? And they're like, no, we want to ask you about biblical prophecy. We have this book here from a different preacher, and he lays out all of these prophecies that we can't really understand from the Bible because we we, you know, just can't understand it that well, which on its face seems like an extremely reasonable thing for them to go in to talk to a preacher about. Yeah, like we're motorcycle hippie dudes who are really into Jesus, but we're reading this book about Jesus and we don't really get it. Let's go find a preacher and see what he thinks. This this is this it still makes sense at this point. <laughs> it it does, but what doesn't make sense to me is uh is is Perkle's response to them is extremely hostile. Just unnecessarily Very. so. Just unnecessarily hostile and he's basically just saying to them well uh are you guys saved by jesus and they're like well we believe in jesus i don't know if we're saved by him and he's like if you're not saved by jesus you're going to hell and they're like well we believe we don't really believe in hell we believe that hell exists on earth and this was interesting to me because this idea that hell exists on earth this is a concept that kept coming up throughout the movie and i felt like this was a movie that was made to disprove the idea that hell exists on earth it's made to debunk this yeah very much this idea and this was an idea that i was familiar with um uh, being a popular one in christianity so to me the fact that they're bringing this up just felt kind of like off the wall but i guess if you were raised in this you would know i think the other the other thing that maybe you're missing for context is that these were the popular topics in christianity at the time Right. So there okay. are hot topics in Christianity right now. I think one that everybody would know about is the whole, like, what does it mean to treat LGBTQ people in a Christian manner? Um, and you all know my opinion on that, I hope, <laughs> um, which is that God made LGBTQ people and the correct way to treat them in a Christian manner is to literally let them live their lives in peace and have all the protections that anyone else has. So, um Another, but another hot like theological topic in Christianity right now is uh, Calvinism is kind of having a resurgence, and people are fighting over Calvinism. And then also the ex, the other ex Fundy podcasts are currently fighting about ransom atonement versus penal substitutionary atonement, which is basically 
we know that Jesus died on the cross to save us, but how specifically? Like, how did it save us? And why did it save us? And did God pay off the devil for our souls? Or did God pay off himself for our souls? And that whole thing. It's very midi-chlorian inside baseball stuff that I, yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's the kind of thing I enjoy knowing what the different arguments are, but I don't really spiritually engage with any of them because in my I, in my thinking, I don't really know that it matters how it happened. It more matters that it happened. And I don't see why thinking the wrong thing about how it happened would affect anybody's eternal destination. Anyway, 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 uh, the rapture and prophecy and... The idea of is how literal those were the really big things. Those were the hot topics at the time. So those are the things that people who are nominal Christians, not super fundamentalist, but really interested in Christianity would be wrestling with at the time this movie was made. So they, so he made a movie to address like the hot topics of the day. And so the, one of the big hot topics of the day was is hell real and will you be tortured there forever what mm -hmm. does it look like versus the other side which is saying hell exists on earth and it's our job to make the 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 world a better place and then when we die if we do a good job at that we'll go to heaven and right. hell is really more just like a grave not a mm -hmm. so tim and ken actually reference something that i think i've referenced on the podcast they they are discussing um, when the New Testament, the New Testament has a couple different words that end up getting translated as hell in most English translations of the Bible. And the two words that are most, that I know of that are most commonly used are Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, and Gehenna, uh, which I think is G-H-E-N-N-A. But those two, the, the argument is that Sheol references a grave. It just means death. It doesn't mean eternal conscious torment in hell. It means you die. And then Gehenna was a was the name of a trash heap outside of Jerusalem where the trash was burned. So the question is, when Jesus said you're going to go to Gehenna, did he mean your trash or did he mean you're going to get burned like that trash gets burned in hell? So Interesting. Okay. So like the, the this is very related to the, the interpretation of those Greek words is really related to what Tim and Ken are in Perkle's office to be discussing. Perkle gets really sassy with them. He does. And they're, yeah. And he's like, well, let me ask you, have you read the New Testament in Greek? Because I have. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course they haven't. <laughs> so, oh, man. <laughs> So there's like a confrontation. They get pretty snippy with each other. And Tim and Ken are like, you know what? We're done with you. So. I mean, to be fair, he was really rude to both of them. Well, like, to, yeah, but to be fair to Perkle, they came in wanting to hear. They they wanted him to tell them what they wanted to hear. And when he didn't, they got mad. Yeah. I, I mean, like they, he invites them. He says, you guys should stay for my sermon. Um, I'm preaching a sermon in uh, uh, just a couple of minutes. You guys should stay for it. And they're, and they're like, well, what are you preaching the sermon on? He's like, I'm preaching a sermon on hell. And they're just like, uh, no, thanks. No, we've had enough <laughs> of your views on hell. We're out. Yeah. So Tim and Ken drive away on their motorcycles. And the next scene of the movie, Perkle has begun his sermon. And he is preaching his sermon on hell to a packed congregation. 
and it's like voiceovers and cut scenes back and forth. You'll you'll hear him still preaching, but you see a scene of Ken and Tim riding their motorcycles down a pastoral road somewhere, probably in the middle of Mississippi. And yeah. Perkle pronounces, at this moment, someone is headed for a burning hell. And, like, as that's the voiceover, Ken is riding his motorcycle. He's, like, dancing around. He's showing off. He's standing up on the bike. He's, like, and Tim is riding behind him like this dude is an idiot. So, Tim takes a break from, like, he, like, stops for a minute and then gets back on his motorcycle and keeps driving. And he comes around a corner to see, oh, no, Ken's bike crashed and mangled and Ken violently decapitated in a puddle of blood once again we get the exploitation film and this is about uh, the point where i realized <laughs> oh this is not a christian movie like Sheffy. this is a movie that is made by an actual filmmaker yeah because like yes the special effects are cheesy and like extremely 60s exploitation film style but i realized like oh this is a filmmaker making this this is someone with experience. This is someone who has made a movie before who is making this. The version of the film that is uploaded to YouTube, I think it was like ripped from uh, like an old and degraded film. I can only assume that the version that was shown back in the seventies, the, the film quality was much better. Yeah. Um, and like the color quality was much better and it was less grainy and less like fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see like the head decapitated, it, that is kind of blurry and kind of fuzzy. So I don't know if that looks better in higher definition. It could look worse more. in higher definition. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking if we saw this in like in, in like in like actual good quality, it might just look totally hokey and totally fake. But if it's kind of blurry and and kind of just grainy, then you can sort of get it because um, you just put like a veneer of of like. Of grease over it. So rather than calling the, like going to find a payphone to call for like the police or call for an ambulance or something, um, because his best friend just died. This uh, is where the movie goes off the rails. <laughs> Tim turns his bike around and goes back to the church. Uh, well, he, he, so he comes up on this scene. He gets off the bike. He's standing there looking at the body of his friend in considerable shock. Um, and then he he doesn't scream. He doesn't cry. <laughs> he shrugs his shoulders and goes back to the church. And then he gets to the church and goes in and, and says, Ken died on a crash. Where, where is his soul right now? And the preacher turns to him and says, well... Your friend is burning in hell right now as we speak. I wrote down the quote on this. So Tim like walks. He's clearly in shock. Um, I do think they undersold his reaction a little bit. But Tim walks through the back doors of the church and Perkle is like aware. I guess Perkle kind of figured out what happened and he stops his sermon to talk to to Tim. Tim says, Ken just died. Is he burning in hell? And Perkle says... I'm afraid he is. (laughs) Chances are he's burning in the flames of hail right now. That's a good purple, huh? Yeah. (laughs) But again, instead of 
sending someone to call 911. I don't know who got poor Ken off the side of the road. I'm really disturbed by that. Um, I'm imagining like a family in a station wagon just coming around the corner. Oh, no, there's a biker with his head chopped off. Like... It's just, I know. Was this? Was this? Just, <laughs> did this just happen in the seventies? I don't know. The seventies were wild. Maybe man. listeners who I know listeners who lived through the seventies. If you'd like to chime in and clarify whether this was common practice back then, we'd love to know. I kind of doubt that it was. Anyway, um, <laughs> Perkle <laughs> offers Tim a front row seat for the rest of the sermon so that he can get saved, and the entirety of the rest of the movie is. With its flashbacks within flashbacks, but the framing device is the rest of the sermon that Tim's going to hear. Yeah, wait, wait, hold on. Okay, so did we talk about the part where Moses is in there? With- I don't. I do not think we have talked about Moses's first appearance yet. We we would be remiss to skip because it. I I think I think we skipped over it because I think it was sometime in the beginning when well, he was we talking cannot about skip the- over it. <laughs> Yeah, because he said something about like, well, some people say hell doesn't exist, but hell is mentioned in the Old and New Testament, and therefore it exists. Um, And I think Moses is the first biblical flashback, right? Yes, Moses is the first biblical flashback. I like when we saw this, like at first when I saw it, I thought it was just going to be like an exploitation film with like that that was very (laughs) 70s. But then it, it got even more than that because it got to be like they they actually started shooting scenes with biblical characters and man the costume and the, and the makeup budget for this film I'm telling you guys Moses looks like a mall Santa in a bathrobe. That's it, the- <laughs> <laughs> so the first the first like biblical flashback scene that we get is Moses dealing with a rebellion. Uh, during the exodus and there is a part where um the people doubt moses's authority so he opens up the ground and the ground swallows some of the people and someone someone kindly counted this for me another podcast who did who did an episode on this counted the people it is 18 cuts of individual people falling into this hole in the ground and screaming well, you know, eighteen is the, uh, the in, in Hebrew numerology is is the the number that stands for the word life. So, I I mean, don't think this was on purpose, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> no, like it's it's funny. Like he's like he like raises his hand or, or something, and then you hear basically it shows it'll show somebody's face, and you'll hear like this really cheesy canned thunder sound thunder. effect. You'll be like. And then, like, they'll show people just like shaking around, and the camera will shake a bunch. And then, like, they'll put like flames up in front of the camera, and then show just people falling. It's it's so hokey. It's hilarious, though. It's so incredible. It's it's so fun to and, watch. And just to remind you, all of the extras are white people with incredibly thick Southern accents. But it's they did true. go. They did go to Israel to shoot on on site, which is and, I think that's yeah. pretty interesting. Maybe they blew the entire movie budget on transporting fifteen like Southern church members to Israel to be extras in all of this. Or maybe here's another thought is that they 
wanted to go to Israel and visit Mount Sinai, but they couldn't fundraise for the trip. So they said, we're going to make a movie and we're going to do a shoot there. And that's how they fundraised for their trip to go there. You know, I can buy it. (laughs) Okay. So now that we have rectified the mistake of skipping Moses, are you ready to go back to the plot? (laughs) Yeah, let's let's go back to the plot because this this was just so incredible. I mean, like I was looking at Moses. Moses is one of my ancestors, man, and I just felt like they did him so dirty. He said he <laughs> he almost said a y'all in this movie, man. <laughs> like Moses was like, God commands y'all. <laughs> God commands y'all. <laughs> Probably. I mean, you know what? I would they not have been had- surprised. <laughs> They could have had Jesus in the movie because, you know, Jesus, um, it was it was said that he supposed like his accent was like a, a yokel accent. He was mm-hmm. like uh, th- th- he was he was uh, a very plain spoken guy. That was his whole dealio uh, is that he was very plain spoken, not at well, not at all like high spoken. And that's one of the reasons why he appealed to so many people, because he was he was a man of the people. Mm-hmm. He spoke like a man of the people. So, okay, let's hop back into the plot. So Tim Tim and Ken gave up an opportunity to get saved in Perkle's office. They went driving. Ken got decapitated. Tim came back to the sermon. Tim gets on the front row seat of the sermon. Perkle very rudely tells a guy who just lost his best friend that his best friend is burning in hell. Like, what an awful thing to say. So Has that ever happened to you before where, where you lose somebody and somebody says that they're going to hell? No, because everybody I knew was fundy. Have you ever seen that happen to somebody? I don't think so. I hope not. I mean, I have not with a recent loss. I have heard people I have heard people say, "Oh, my whoever relative died back in 1995 and I know that they weren't saved, so I know that they're in hell." Like I've heard people say that about their own relatives. Man. Oh. Okay, so Perkle is preaching about times in the past that you would have had an opportunity to get saved and you chose not to. There is a flashback scene of Tim and Ken walking down the street and a street preacher hands them a gospel tract, which is, it, it is an interesting little scene because you've got this guy, and if I'm remembering correctly, he's wearing a massive bow tie. And he is standing on the street and he's giving out tracts to this group of people who are all walking by. Hello. Good evening. Nice to see you. I'm so glad you're out tonight. May I hand you a gospel tract? Jesus loves you. Let me hand you this information. And the guy who is handing them out is like very, very bougie. (laughs) And Tim and Ken stop to speak with him. There was a really neat shot. I want to talk about this because it's my favorite camera shot in the film. As Perkle is doing a voiceover about times that you had an opportunity to get saved and turned it down, there's a close-up on Ken's face, and you see the street preacher reflected in his sunglasses. Yes. I I just thought that was neat. Because in so many Christian movies, you don't see, like, shots that you would see in real movies. So I thought that was a, a really neat shot. Um, and it's it's testament to oh the person who made this is a, is an actual filmmaker. So after the re- after the flashback of Tim and Ken rejecting the street preacher, uh, we get another biblical flashback during Perkle's sermon. So the next biblical flashback it's King Belshazzar arriving in hell, and this is the first time we get to see the demons. <laughs> this part was amazing. 
I laughed out loud seeing the demons. These guys cracked me up. Did you see the part where they were they were describing the demon? And yes, and they, they there was like a pan up scene where they're just like it's like a they're describing it's like a, a, a it has goat legs and um four goat legs and the body of a man and just like a horrible horrible beast and they like pan up and it's clear that they're showing like a horse from the way down and then they and they like hard cut to a different angle like panning the rest of the way up the body and it's a person yes (laughs) (laughs) because they didn't have the budget (laughs) for the makeup costumes i mean they couldn't get like a a, like a centaur costume or something from uh from uh, a spirit halloween (laughs) evidently not (laughs) so king king so so purple is giving all of these illustrations of people in the bible who he believes went to hell and one of the first ones is King Belshazzar. So King Belshazzar arrives in hell and Perkle is going on and on about how no one will love you in hell. And even if your friends and relatives are there, they will hate you because your wicked ways led them to hell. I don't know where he got that from. That's traumatizing. But also, I don't know where he got it from. This is illustrated by, so Belshazzar ends up in hell, and then a former friend of his also ends up in hell, and Belshazzar is like, great, fantastic, I have friends here, these creepy demons can leave me alone, and the former friend is like, I hate you, you led me in paths of wickedness, and that's why I'm in hell. Anyway, (laughs) this is is kind of setting up for how the rest of this movie is going to go. And they have, like, I, I don't know how they shot this. Uh, because the, uh, the 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 video quality in our, our in, that we watched was so poor, I don't know how they shot this. It was very interestingly shot, like it, it, it and like the makeup that they had on all the people. It looked like they smeared like grime all over everybody's face. It looked and, like some kind of oil to me. Yeah, like just like grease or or. I mean, it really looks like they just took dirty motor motor oil and put it on everyone's face. I know that's probably not what they actually did, but that is really what it looks like. R.I.P. to the skin of everybody who uh, I know that that, yeah, that just, makes me feel so gross. <laughs> they're about to be breaking out is is what they're about to be doing. Um, but my favorite thing that he said was he said, "There is no floor in hell. You will just keep falling and falling and falling. So you like there's no yep. ground." And mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, if there's no ground, then what does this horse-legged thing walk on? How can it be like stabbing you with this trident if it, it doesn't have any ground to stand on? Checkmate. So this is actually um, <laughs> one of the more triggering parts of this movie for me because that is – so the IFP teaching about hell is that it, it is in the center of the earth. So because they don't know very much about science – like physically uh, in the center of the earth. Right, because it's hot down there. And because if the earth is always rotating, uh, then you're technically always falling because they don't I don't really think they know how gravity works. <laughs> um what? but that's that's what the IFB believe. So, so okay. So the IFB no. believe that before Jesus okay. Before Jesus there was two parts in hell. One part was called paradise or uh Abraham's bosom, and then the other part was called hell. And we'll get to this when we talk about the rich man and Lazarus. So all of the Jewish people and the people who believed in Jesus, even though he wasn't here yet, went to Abraham's bosom. And then everybody else went to hell. And then when Jesus came, or when Jesus came, when Jesus died, 
he took the keys of hell and death and he went to hell and he rescued all while he was in the grave for three days. This is what he was doing. He went to Abraham's bosom. He rescued all of the Jewish people and all the people who believed in Jesus, even though he wasn't here yet and swooped them all up and took them to heaven. He fought with the devil in hell and he won his first victory over the devil. And then he went to heaven uh, where he did some stuff. Um, this is going to make you really mad. I don't know if I want to tell you this. No, please. Oh my God. He So, so, you know, in the first temple, they had the mercy seat with the angels over it. And then the high priest had to go sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat to make the yearly atonement. Go on. So when Jesus died, he went to heaven and he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat, which had been transported to heaven after the people on earth lost it. And he sprinkled his blood on the on the mercy seat to make the forever atonement. What? Yeah. That, this is why Jesus is called the Lamb of God in the Christian world. Qu- wait. Question. Huh. No, but... <laughs> How do they get like so heaven? They're they're thinking of heaven and hell as like actual physical places. In yeah, what else would they be? The uh, so when oh my god! Now I'm just remembering that you told me about the microphone to hell. Yeah. That, so mm, they believe that mm. before Jesus died, everybody who died went inside the earth, and then Jesus fought the devil. And released all the good people from the inside of the earth and took them to heaven. And then Jesus came back to earth and went back inside of his body and rose again from the dead. So if you're just some rando who lived 3000 years ago in China or something. Yeah. And you're just like, Hey, I'm, I'm some guy. I live in China. I'm just chilling here with my family. Got a farm, uh, uh, growing some rice or something. Inventing paper so that white people can yeah. later take the credit for it. Inventing the toothbrush, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Inventing Inven- a lot of things, yeah. Inventing uh, a, a, a magnetic compasses. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you, China, for inventing so many fantastic things. Um, and, and then you die. And then you're going to be literally in the center of the earth. And then one day Jesus shows up and says, you didn't believe in me. You can't come with me. You're just going to be tortured forever. And you're just like, believe in you. I don't know who the f*** you are. And then he's just like, sayonara, Sammy. Yeah. And what? Yeah, that, that's that's it. That's the belief. Okay, Which is well then- one of the one of the like top three reasons that I left that theological world. Yeah. Okay. So other question. Yeah. <laughs> How is it that Jesus can sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat to do the forever atonement if in the book of Genesis, God specifically forbade human sacrifices. Because Jesus wasn't human. Well, because he was fully human and fully God. But he's still human. He can't have human sacrifices. I don't know. Plot hole? Plot hole, yeah. Sorry, checkmate Christians. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So we got way off track. But the we were in the biblical flashback of King Belshazzar getting thrown into hell. An interesting thing I wanted to note about that 
is that kings and queens are shown multiple times during this and that kings and queens are still wearing their crowns in hell, which raises some interesting metaphysical questions. Well, they believe that hell is a physical place. Right. So so where did the crowns come from? Did they disappear on Earth? Well, maybe you're buried wearing the crown. If you're buried wearing a crown, it would make sense that you would show up in hell with it on. Wait, so you show up in the afterlife wearing the clothes that you... Okay. But if you're... Okay, but if you die, you immediately go wherever you're going to go. There's no, like, waiting period. So if somebody who was a king died and they didn't put the crown on him to bury him for like three days does that mean the first three days he's in hell with no crown and then three days later it just like magically appears because they did the funeral or maybe he died wearing the crown so it could appear and disappear multiple times so here's a question how many people in hell are, are like in hell wearing like a hospital gown with their asses out I would assume a lot of people. Yeah, like you have to be have to be a ton of people. Same with heaven, I guess. Although in heaven they probably have like a Gucci store or like a. a you know, no, it shows heaven later. Everybody gets white robes in heaven. Boring. I hate neutral aesthetic. <laughs> Me too. So back. So after the flashback of Bel, Bel- who was it? Belshazzar. Uh, we get another hell scene while Perkle is still talking. Uh, we see Ken with his head reattached being escorted into hell. And Tim is kind of at this point, Tim is on the front row during this Perkle sermon. And Tim is kind of apparently hallucinating Ken being escorted into hell. Not quite clear. Uh, Jack Hiles makes his guest appearance at 2110 in the movie. Yeah, you know what? I, I felt like I was the DiCaprio meme, you know, when, when Jack Hiles made an appearance on screen. Yes. <laughs> uh, what did you think? Have you seen videos of him speaking when he was that young? Did you have any feelings about that? I thought that he was very clearly had an extreme comb over and was very balding and doing his darndest to try and hide it. Like he had like a, a, a tornado of hair. Yeah. Uh, top his head. So my- this being released in 1974, I believe it was filmed in 72 and 73. So Hiles would have been in his late 40s, not yet 50, filming this. It is always interesting to me when I see videos of him as a young preacher, because I feel like his vibe is very different. But that may He's just be me. Very snake oil salesman. Extremely. Is- <laughs> he looks like he wants to sell you a monorail. He looks like he wants to sell me a a Ford Pinto, (laughs) (laughs) like a used Ford Pinto that's been recalled. Don't tell anybody that they explode. (laughs) So I feel like Hiles, he went from looking like, like a young traveling salesman or used car salesman type to looking like a grandpa pretty much overnight. Because this is in 19, the early 70s. If you see videos of him in the early 80s, he all of a sudden looks like the grandpa that he looked like for the next 20-something years. Maybe having David Hiles be his son aged him prematurely. I, I just think it's interesting because I have seen so little of him looking anywhere between those two. It, I, I I need to put together a timeline of his photos. Maybe it's like the Vladimir Putin thing. You know how Vladimir Putin can't get Botox anymore, and so now he looks like his face melted in the past six months? Yeah. 
Maybe it's like that kind of thing where they stop making whatever miracle cream Jack Hiles was using <laughs> to keep himself looking young. He doesn't have a lot to say. He pretty much he's he's on screen for maybe a minute. He says that hell he's just there as a talking head to like supplement whatever point Perkle is making in his sermon. This is interesting because Perkle is a Southern Baptist. So this is also during the time of Hiles career before he stopped associating with Southern Baptists. Hiles had already left the Southern Baptist denomination and the American Baptist, which I think is what First Baptist Church of Hammond was. But he was still associating. And in 1974, he was also still associating with Bob Jones University and Liberty University. So this is a really interesting time in Hiles' life because it's before he broke fellowship with all those people. Hiles basically just says that hell is his primary, one of his primary motivations for doing things and that he would be really lazy if he didn't think that people were dying and going to hell. But that's something that motivates him. Yeah, he said, if um, hell wasn't real, then I would stop preaching right now. And never mm-hmm. preach another sermon. Mm-hmm. And then um, the plot continues. We see Tim in a different outfit still being preached the same sermon to. So I think what they are telling us about the plot is that Tim went to hear Perkle preach on hell multiple times at multiple different churches. Because for a while he's in like his motorcycle riding outfit and then it it shifts and he's in a different outfit and there are different people sitting around him. And it like does that multiple times during the rest of the movie. So it takes a while for him to finally go and get saved. I assumed that this was the same sermon or maybe he's just preaching the same sermon to multiple congregations because this is what he does. He's a bit of a traveling evangelist. That's, that's what I think it is. He's preaching the same sermon in multiple places so that everybody can hear it. And Tim is following him around and going to different performances of the same sermon because Tim is not still not quite convinced about all of this. Uh, I think this would be a good time to go take up the offering and uh, come back and keep working through this movie. This movie. Okay. This, this movie is a mess. It, it truly is a mess and it only gets messier. Um, but really the, the real crazy is, is still to come. So make sure that you guys uh, tune in for that. This will be really awesome. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We are back from our break. Sadie, this is like this movie, it was never really on the rails, but this is where it just goes truly into insane degrees. Maybe we should say this is where the movie continues to spiral. Yeah, it gets hella gross here. This is this is the gross part. Uh, we are going to be talking about maggots. If you are not going to be able to handle that, I'm giving you a minute to go ahead and skip. Okay. Yeah, go, go skip like a few minutes ahead. Because we are not going to be able to handle talking about this for real long. <laughs> this, this was the wild part that where he goes into describing specifically what happens to you when you are in hell. Right. So the scripture reference that that Perkle is referencing is the worm dieth not. Um, he is talking about when you go to hell, you're falling forever, you're you're burning forever, you are being tortured, and the worm dieth not. And how Perkle interpreta- interprets that is basically that there will be maggots crawling on you all the time. So there, as he is talking. There are multiple incredibly close, detailed shots of maggots crawling on people's faces, like real live people. And having reviewed the footage, there is not that much information about this film online. Like, there isn't, like, a page where you can go (laughs) read about the making of The Burning Hell, surprisingly. (laughs) But I think it was real maggots. I don't know how they could have done, like, pulled off the special effects otherwise. Because you see, like, a live person's face who is clearly, like, flinching and trying not to throw up because they're an extra from a church in Mississippi and not a paid actor. And there are just, like, live bugs crawling over their face. Yeah, it's like a, it's like fear factor, almost. Is, exactly. I mean, if I go to hell and Joe Rogan's not there, I'm going to be pissed. So... <laughs> Oh, I don't think you have to worry about that. <laughs> I don't think that'll be a problem. No, you go to hell and what it is is Joe Rogan's there and he's like, here, eat these goat testicles. And I'm like, what do I win if I eat the goat testicles? He's like, no, you just have to eat the goat testicles. And that's how. So, <laughs> these poor actors are just, you see the people on screen and they're just, they're completely, their eyes are completely scrunched closed, their mouths are closed, and there are actual live bugs crawling in and out of their ears and noses. It is pretty gross. I mean, those reactions, were you could tell when the reaction is legitimate. You yes. can. Like, Ken's, or, or Tim's reaction to his best friend Ken getting decapitated horribly in a motorcycle crash, not Meh. the best reaction. That's a bummer random church members getting maggots on their face and having to like like deal with that when they're obviously very gro- very real reaction. Yes. <laughs> I feel really bad for these people to be honest. Uh, All I was, in a day's work for the Lord. Uh, yeah, and I was raised with this teaching. <laughs> the IFB actually believe in giant worms, not maggots specifically. But I was raised with the idea that giant worms would be crawling all over you, like and like s- squeezing you and hurting you. But this like didn't snakes. bother me, huh? Like snakes? Yeah, no, yeah, but worms, specifically earthworms. 
Where where does this is this in the Bible? Anywhere? Yeah, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I can look up the reference. Hang on, Mark nine forty four. Let me see. I'll, I can give you context. I read my Bible on my computer more than I do in a Bible now because I'm always doing something for the podcast. Um, so I'm Mark nine. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And it goes on and on. It's it's basically Jesus saying, like, if you feel like you're who have a compulsion to hurt other people, it is you you need to not do that because you will go to hell. Makes sense. Which is fair, I think. <laughs> also, this would be one of those verses where people are arguing about whether hell means a grave or whether hell means a spiritual state of being or whether hell means a burning actual place where you go uh let's see so moving away from the maggots uh perkle at this point he is continually breaking the fourth wall there are like three or four times during the movie where he like stops breaks the fourth wall and looks straight into the camera and says does this shock you and i just <laughs> died laughing every time does, does this, this shock, shock you, you? <laughs> so um <clears throat> So we are getting uh, to some more biblical flashbacks. They are like hard and fast at this point in the movie. Uh, there is there is a story about Herod. Herod comes up on some people in the desert. And this is not the Jesus Herod. This is like the, the Herod before the Herod that killed Jesus. So Herod comes up on some people in the, in the desert worshiping Jesus. And he is not about it. And... <laughs> Is this the part where there's they're playing the auto harp? Yes. They're they're playing an auto harp and singing American gospel music. Like American For spiritual Jesus song. In like For Jesus. 27 BC or 27 AD. Yeah, and and it, they literally are standing there with like with an auto harp. Like this I I don't know I don't know why they I mean they might as well have been like they they could have showed up with like a piano or I know. like like an organ, like an electric organ. They could have showed up with a Hammond organ. I um, know. Had a guy there with an accordion, maybe some bagpipes as well. Just <laughs> the whole to band me, together. The best part of this scene is a woman asks someone else, like, what are you doing? And the other person's like, worshiping Jesus of Nazareth. And the woman who asked the question goes, Jesus of Nazareth, who is he? <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. They're all so southern, and that was the, that was like my best southern accent moment of the movie. And then it is immediately followed by one of the guys who is a Jesus worshiper is doing something resembling like a British or maybe a transatlantic accent, which was interesting, interesting contrast. And then Herod's corpse gets devoured by worms alive as everybody watches. I don't know if that one's in the Bible. When is they were casting this movie, I think they like they, they probably cast like the men as like real actors and the women they were just like, eh, whoever shows up will just throw right. in some extras. That's kind of the impression that I got. Like the women are all just random church members and the men are like 
Act-tours. B-movie actors. <laughs> yeah, act actors that they really needed that like the, the the screen actors guild was really not given them major roles so they had to well, the director, Ron Ormond, he was really well known for using washed up Western actors in a lot of his movies. Oh, my so God. So people would get like kind of chewed up and spit out by the Western movie industry. And then in both of his earlier exploitation movies and then later in his Christian movies, uh, he would use these actors and give them work. So we have to keep moving on with the plot of this movie because we are at the story of the rich man and Lazarus. So this is what I was talking about with the Abraham's bosom, all of that. This is where we get all of that. So this is a story that Jesus told. There's a very rich man and there is a beggar at his gate named Lazarus. This is a story from the Bible. This is a story. Yeah, this is a story that Jesus told in the Bible. And there's a lot of argument on, is it a parable? Like, is it a a sermon illustration? (laughs) Or is this a real story that like, did Jesus mean it literally? Because when Jesus, so you know the story of the prodigal son, or at least you've heard of it? Yes. That one is considered a parable. That So Jesus told this story, but even the biblical literalists agree that he was making up a story to prove a point. This one, they argue over, was this a real story that Jesus was telling, like this actually happened? Or was Jesus telling, was this another made up to prove a point story? The rich man is cruel to the beggar, Lazarus, who is outside his gate. The rich man goes on to throw a big party. At the party, people are talking about Jesus, and they're all pretty mad about him. The high priest Caiaphas is mentioned. They pronounce Caiaphas as Caiaphas, which I have (laughs) never heard before. Also, Pontius Pilate is at this party. Pontius Pilate. (laughs) So... (laughs) Caiaphas just cracked me up because like everybody all most Christians would be familiar with like who Caiaphas is because he is the high priest that later is part of how Jesus gets killed. Wait, so here's the part that I don't get, though. So because we watched uh, we watched Passion of the Christ Mm -hmm. and the, the story is that Pontius Pilate's wife became a Christian, right? Or she uh, had a Pontius Pilate's wife had a vision that he shouldn't kill Jesus. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So if Pontius Pilate was there with his wife, she wouldn't have been just like, "Hey, man, like Jesus got some some good things to say. I've been listening to him. He got some good things to say. I've been following him." Like he w- that wouldn't have happened. Okay, right. I was so so yeah. So the high anyway, the high priest is being mentioned. I just want to note that I would bet good money that it was iced tea in the wine glasses in the scene. That's it. That's the note. <laughs> so Lazarus <sighs> dies outside the gate of the rich man's party, and he is carried to heaven by the angels. The hallelujah chorus plays in the background. He has gotten a shave and a haircut. This is the only happy moment pretty much in the entire movie. <laughs> so I need to I need to discuss this, the, the hair and makeup. Yes. On this beggar, because this this beggar's beard and hair, it's like a ring around his face. You you guys know like the monk haircut where it's like a ring of hair around your head. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, but rotate it ninety degrees so it's like a beard, <laughs> and then it goes over the top of your head, and it's the same. Like it's not like 
Because like if you have a beard and if you have hair on your head, the hair on your head is a different texture from your beard usually. Like, and that's that's true for almost everybody. Like the the beard hair is going to be much coarser, and the hair on your head is going to be much like smoother. Not but Lazarus, apparently. Lazarus, it's it's like they went and just like got some some wool or something and then just like taped it all around his it's like he's wearing a parka like you know the I, fur yes, lining it looks like parka. he's wearing a fur lined jacket the the funniest thing to me is that so lazarus dies and then you see like his spirit kind of rises up from his body which is pretty well done and then there is a transition cut like one of those um fade cuts where <laughs> He gets a, a, a magical shave and haircut, and that sh- that one was another thing that just cracked me up. I mean, he got a real lineup though; like the beard looked, yeah, looked it looked nice. Fresh. Like, yeah. So Lazarus is carried by angels to the throne of God, who comforts him and tells him what heaven will be like. It's interesting to note that God looks exactly like Moses, just in a white robe. I thought that was Abraham that he had him. No, that's God. Him that was God. Yeah. Okay, so of course you thought it was Abraham. That makes sense. Yeah, I like, no, that's God. That's God. God looked like freaking wild man. He looked like uh, uh, his head was very like I, I remember his head being very square shaped. Well, like, don't shape you think it's the-, the same guy who played Moses? Maybe, Although or at least I- the same beard and hair that was loaned to the next guy. I feel like there would be a huge theological problem if you have the same actor playing God and Moses, because that would be like saying God was Moses. Anyway, like this, like this is literally a graven image. Like this movie is like seeing that you're not used to seeing God in movie form, like in person. Like I know they, they did the movie with Morgan Freeman, but this is like God, God, in like a like in like a movie where they're saying this is God from the Bible and this is a Christian movie that is literally making a graven image. That is, it's done surprisingly much in Christian movies because I'm thinking through like all the Christian movies that depict God. Now it, it's several. It's the literal definition of idolatry. It's. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Lazarus has been carried to heaven back at the rich man's party. The rich man suddenly keels over and dies. Uh, Perkle proclaims from the pulpit. He was dead. They never explain how he died, though. I he mean, just, I have to assume he just like had a heart attack or ate some bad food or something. Yeah, I'm just. This is really interesting. Speaking of going off the rails and Caiaphas. <laughs> <laughs> so Caiaphas, the high priest, shows up to this guy's party, Caiaphas uh, visits, to proclaim, and he, like, stands over this guy's dead body, which has been, like, laid out on a table at the party, and he proclaims to the assembled partygoers that this rich man has gone to heaven. And mm. I don't know. I don't know. I am just, I am not the most educated person on this. And I would certainly want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but this doesn't seem like Jewish death traditions to me. Absolutely not. So 
No. So okay, if you so- die at a party, you are not going to have your rabbi show up at the party in liturgical garb to lay your body out on a table and stand over your body and proclaim that you have gone to heaven. No. Okay. Thank you for making. Thank you for confirming what I did think. There. It's even worse than that because this this guy this guy's not a rabbi. This guy is a priest from the temple. Which means that this man is a a a kohanim. He is a, a Levite, probably. So or, one thing is that kohanim. he can't That's touch a dead you. body, right? He cannot go anywhere the f- near a dead body. Oh god! You're, like not allowed to do that. Second of all, the the going to heaven thing, like they. That's not a thing that you guys it's say. Not a thing for it's not a thing for us. Like in so, Christian traditions, if somebody dies who was truly a righteous person. It's not uncommon for someone to say, and lots of people have said that to, this to me about my dad, like it's not at all uncommon to say, well, we know that he is in heaven or we believe that he is in heaven or, you know, we have the hope that we will meet him again one day in heaven. Like all of those are perfectly uh, correct things to say to a Christian who has experienced loss when the person who died was a Christian. It's this comforting. is not what Jewish people do. Absolutely this not. Is, this is... And let's, you know, you have different traditions, like one of them is saying, may his memory be a blessing, but you don't make presumptions on what somebody's eternal destination was ever, right? No. And also like eternal destination is not like, a, that. that's not really a thing that we f- right. focus on. And like, it's, yeah, it, uh, this scene to me, I was just like, this is very clearly a Christian made movie. Um, right. <laughs> and I was very like, I don't pretend to know everything, but I definitely know that the high priest should not be interacting with a dead guy. And I definitely know that it is not Jewish death tradition to like claim that, you know, where somebody went after they died. <laughs> so after the high priest comes to really f- up his job, apparently. Yeah, he's not very good. Oh, here's the thing that pissed me off to no end about this is that. This guy's like, the priest is like, I, I know I, I haven't seen you with the temple lately, but you give us lots of money. So that's cool. I was just like, what the, f-? like, f- you guys, like, yeah. they, they, they got to get one in on us. And like, also like church attendance is not the thing in Judaism that it is in Christianity. No, but this movie's made for a Christian audience and they don't actually know any of that stuff. Right. They call it Kaifus. Kaifus. I know like church attendance is a thing for you, but it is not the it is not treated the same way as it is in Christianity. No, like And this guy is like going at it from the Christian point of view, which is just not like God, he he's the high this is you're depicting the Jewish high priest. Could you have done five minutes of research? Like, this is literally the high priest from the, the, the second like temple. Like, he has the, the breastplate King on. King Solomon built. King Solomon built this temple, and this guy is the high priest of this temple, and you're treating him as he's, like, some podunk minister uh, <laughs> who's equivalent to that. But I guess every podunk minister thinks that they're equivalent to the high priest from Solomon's temple. So. I could I could go off on that, but I don't think I should because I don't think we have time. Oh, man. Okay, I will. All Christians think that they are equivalent to the high priest because Jesus was our high priest because he's the one who took the blood to be sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven. So now Jesus is the high priest and we are all priests. Sorry. 
Mm, no, I. Just, I mean, so like, like the, yes, the, every has been broken, Sadie. Like, there's, there's, <laughs> just like this stuff doesn't shock me anymore. Sadly, but yeah, but uh, I still feel bad saying it. <laughs> I think it's funny at this point. It's like this is the other reason I let you get away with so much blasphemy because I know I'm going to do it back to you at some point, and I got to build up the good faith credit. <laughs> No, you know what it is? It's like, uh, you know, in The Little Mermaid, when uh, when Ariel gets uh, taken up to uh, have legs and she's like in the castle and she's combing her hair with a fork and you're just like, that's not what that's for. That's how I feel whenever <laughs> Christians are trying to do Judaism. So after the Caiaphas debacle... Um, <laughs> Chaos. 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 I don't know. This is like his thing. Like, this is your thing. You're supposed to know all this. Sh- like, and- yeah, yeah, and he's also. I I need to point out that Caiaphas is in full. Uh, what is it called? He's got the breast. The um, what is it called? The breastplate with the twelve stones for the twelve tribes and the black stone and the white stone in it. Yeah, he's got yeah, like, he's like full <laughs> priestly garments on, like regalia, right? Just- which is, I don't know if they just walked around in that. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't think so. Like, I, I, think, think, I so. think that's like temple stuff. Like you right, only have like in the tabernacle. Right. Because specifically that breastplate was used to like get yes and no answers from God. Yeah. I, I don't know. I might be wrong about that. I, I, I don't remember the specifics. We'll, go, that, we'll circle like, back to this when we talk about the Christian reenactments of the tabernacle. Oh, God. Which I have been to. <laughs> Which uh, I am sorry about. So the rich man, uh, Lazarus has been taken up to heaven. Uh, Caiaphas says that the rich man has gone to heaven, but he has not. He is in hell. He is getting tortured by the devil and he is begging for his family to be ministered to so that his family won't also go to hell. That's in the Bible. God says to the rich man, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, uh, which is in the Bible. <laughs> the part that is not in the Bible is where Pergol decides to engage in some really weird extra scriptural extrapolation. Perkel says that the rich man wanted his family not to go to hell, but it wasn't because he loved them and didn't want them to get tortured. Perkel says he wanted them not to go to hell for selfish reasons because he knew that if his family members also went to hell, they would blame him for leading them there. This is a new one for me. I haven't heard this one. This so this is like how much extra like stuff? How much like extra biblical stuff do people add in when they're like? How many embellishments do people usually like to add in when they're talking about hell? Because I know we talked about the passion. You had the guy talking about all the embellishments with the 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 the, the thorn going through Jesus' eye. And the extra torture and like right, the and the like and like being stuff. hit thirty nine times has a numerological meaning. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one doesn't have that much that struck me as extra scriptural. I'm so the whole thing about nobody. If you see anybody that you know in hell, they don't love you and they'll blame you for not being for for leading them there. That is extra scriptural. 
Although that's kind of logical, you know, like you can't, you can't be in hell just chilling with the homies, can you? Right. That would be- um, but most of this is pretty much from the Bible. Now it's interpreted in a way that I wouldn't interpret it. But that was the that was the big thing that really stuck out to me is like, oh, this is not in there. Uh, after all of this rich man and Lazarus bit, we go back to a sermon from another preacher. So it's another talking head coming in to confirm Perkle's point so that he can give verses about souls being able to feel pain. Uh, and this is cut in with scenes of Ken screaming in pain in hell. And then there are the the closing bit here is kind of it's multiple scenes of famous Bible murderers in hell, which is interesting. I mean, it's it's not wrong. I just I don't know why if you're already dead, you would be afraid of somebody killing you because. Yeah. Who was who was the guy that he had like chopping people's heads off? That's the killer of John the Baptist. He thinks you're John the Baptist. Right. And so, he's going to cut your head off. Like. Right. So background for you, Gavi. Uh, John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin. And he was the, he like showed up years before Jesus became well known. And he was preaching like the Messiah is coming. I know who it is. He's going to be here. He was like a weird aesthetic kind of guy. Aesthetic with an E, not with an A, the other meaning. And he ate locusts and honey and wore animal skins and was like a wild man in the wilderness. And he was extremely controversial. So John the Baptist like really got a lot of attention because he was weird. And the Herod at the time didn't like him very much. And most people didn't like him very much. And an evil woman sent her daughter to dance before Herod and Herod was so enthralled with her that he said, I will give you anything you want. And the evil woman told her daughter to ask for the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. Um, Huh? Why? Because she was evil and she wanted the guy who was hyping Jesus' hype man dead. So Herod was like, yes, uh, I'll do anything. And he had the head of John the Baptist delivered to her on a silver platter, which has inspired some extremely metal Christian art because John the Baptist was a wild man. So he's got like crazy hair and a crazy beard. And yeah, it's inspired some really graphic <laughs> Christian art of his head mm-hmm. on a silver platter. So this guy's the guy that killed John the Baptist. Right. And th- this is also okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. But in Viva La Vida by Coldplay, your head on a silver plate. That's where that lyric comes from. Huh. Okay. I didn't know yeah. that. I yeah. That's a scriptural that reference. Years. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Pergle is talking about, so he has like a little scene of, of Cain and Abel, and he's implying Cain is going to be in hell ready to hit you with a stick, just like he did his brother Abel. He talks about Ahab and Jezebel and... Uh, other people who killed people in the Bible. He says there are thousands of people he could mention, which I don't know if that's correct. I don't think there's a thousand murders in the Bible, but I don't have time to go through and count. Anyway, he talks about the killer of John the Baptist, and there's this whole scene where the devil is talking to Ken, who is now in hell, And Ken is like, why is this dude over here staring at me with the crazy eyes? And the devil's like, that's the killer of John the Baptist. And now he thinks everyone is John the Baptist. 
and um, the killer of John the Baptist in this interpretation is now going around hell trying to find more people to kill. The quote from Perkle that cracked me up is he's he's talking about like all of the all of the people who would have gone to hell for the murder of John the Baptist. And the quote is the fella who chopped off the head of John the Baptist was also involved. <laughs> it was was also involved. <laughs> Just I lost it. <laughs> and then he's like, and as bad as you think it is, it's a million times worse. <laughs> worse, yeah. <laughs> so um Tim is in the pew at the revival service and he is having this very vivid, like he's like hallucinating along with Perkle's sermon, I think. And as Perkle is preaching, we're seeing these scenes of Ken in hell getting stabbed in the stomach with a shovel by the killer of John the Baptist. And this is maybe like the second most graphic scene other than Ken's decapitation earlier. Poor Ken. This what guy really the gets maggot scene. The maggot scene was kind of that graphic. was gross, but I would say this is like more graphic. This is more gory. And this is this is like this is pretty like this is pretty gory. I don't know. The guy who killed John the Baptist doesn't decide to cut Ken's head off. I guess one decapitation was enough. I don't know. But he stabs him in the stomach with like a garden shovel. And Tim is hallucinating this along with Perkle's sermon, and he's in the pew at a revival service, and he's, like, wincing and thrashing in pain because he's imagining that he's the person getting stabbed in the stomach with a shovel. He needs to, like, lay off the magic mushrooms or something before he goes to church, <laughs> man. Can, can you imagine eating a bunch of magic mushrooms and then going to a Baptist revival service where they're I do not like, want to imagine that. I would not like to like experience that. Bad time. <laughs> wow. No, thank you. Mm. So, after all of this, after all of this, Tim gets saved. That's the That's end of the it. movie. Question. Do, are, are Christians able, are like fundamentalist Christians able to make a movie where at the end it isn't somebody getting saved? Like, is that the end of all of their movies? Is somebody gets so. saved at the end? I mean, at no. the end of all rom-coms, it's two people kissing, right? Okay. I mean, I guess you're right. I guess it's it's it's, it's the genre. So right. it makes sense. At the end of every Western, they ride off into the sunset. Right. Or at the end of every action movie, they kill the bad guy and, like, patch up their wounds and, like, all walk off together. Save whoever was going to get rescued. So, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, uh, one thought that I had, I am extremely disappointed that Ghost has not made a music video using footage from this movie. Is that what they do? Do they do, like... Not really, um, but I still want them to. <laughs> maybe uh, 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 Cardinal Copious hasn't seen it yet maybe he he's not familiar with this film you know i feel like i would be more surprised if he hadn't seen it than if he had seen it this is a classic i'm trying to think of what my like what my my finishing thoughts about this film are how did you feel watching it what were your feelings going through this i was i was very entertained by it so full disclosure (laughs) i watched this movie on yom kippur when I was fasting, questionable uh, timing, questionable choice right there. I was fasting. I, I, I not only was I not eating, but I was also not drinking 
water or any fluids for like 25 hours, uh, which is no fun. Um, and also you're supposed to think about like the, it's, it's the day of atonement. So you're supposed to like think about how you're going to be a better person in the future and watching this movie about people getting scared into getting saved by Jesus is not really what I would recommend doing on that day because it, it, it put my head in a weird place. Like the next night I had a dream where somebody got decapitated falling off of a train and that was really unpleasant. Um, and I fully attribute that to watching this movie on a completely empty stomach and then going to a party where I just like ate a ton, a ton, a ton of food. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My, I, I think how I saw this movie was very much colored by that experience. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to stop you from watching this, but that was that was an interesting choice of day to watch this movie. Well, it was, when was I not doing anything? And yeah. I was like, this is a this this is about redemption. Maybe I'll watch this. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Just like on the day when you're just like, why am I Jewish? Why do I have to do this fast? Why am I Jewish? And then you watch this Christian movie and you're like, oh, this is why I'm Jewish because this is the No, never mind. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good not eating, not drinking for a day. If this is the alternative, then sign me up. So I guess I have a, a couple <laughs> closing thoughts about this. First, I think this is really a testament to... I, I want to shout out to all of the people who saw this movie as little children. Because as much as we as grown adults with fully formed prefrontal cortexes and all that have had fun laughing at it, and I got more laughs than triggers out of this movie, for sure. And as much as that was fun for us, I know that there are surely many people who watched this movie as children. And I want to, I don't know, I guess hold space for the people who were affected by this because I feel like this would be a very different experience seeing this as a little kid. That could be genuinely upsetting. Yeah. And the, I just, I truly believe that it is abusive to expose children to graphic and scary ideas of hell at a young age. Do not, I don't think I saw this movie as a little kid. I think I have seen it before but maybe as a teenager, but not not as a little kid. I know, though, that this has surely been shown to a lot of small children, and that's really upsetting to me. This movie, obviously, it's not going to be rated. But right. if they were going to rate this movie, what would they would they rate this R or would they rate this like PG thirteen? I don't think so. I think this could I, there. So there's no swearing. There's no sexual content. But there's a lot of gore. There's a good there's bit of gore. Of, like, really de- they, I mean, this would definitely. And this get a- also came out before the modern rating system, right? Right. So it was either like regular, or it was either R or or not. Yeah. So I feel like uh, at the time, if it had gone through the rating system, it might have gotten, it might have been rated. It might have been an R-rated movie. I think now in 2022 standards. It would probably catch a PG-13. Yeah, but if it's catching a PG-13 standards in 2022, then that means the fundies can't see it. Well, you can't. Well, a lot of fundies saw um, Passion of the Christ. There was actually just a conversation on Twitter the other day about people taking their little kids to see Passion of the Christ. 
Yeah, that's do not sign me up for that. That that's is a, a bad idea. Please bad don't. Bad do idea. That. It's also a racist movie, very racist movie. Um but of course we were too fundy for that because there was a butt in it. So the butt of God. <laughs> so <laughs> Holy so, booty. <laughs> Holy badonkadonk. <laughs> Stop. I'm extremely Holy tired and God. I've had way too much caffeine. I cannot do this. So I do want to hold space for people who saw this too young and for people who saw this and it was presented to them in such a way of like, this is the reality of hell. Because as much as I have enjoyed making fun of it, I know that for some people it was probably not a fun experience the first time that they saw it. That being said, I'm really glad that we did this one because I think it opens us up to quite a few more movies in this Christian exploitation-ish genre. Because I I have seen A Thief in the Night, which is an end times Christian movie, um, not related to this writer or director, but very similar in tone. And it, I think it opens us up to talking about maybe some more of these movies in the future. So you know what movie people keep asking us about? Which one? Is the, the Left Behind movie? Yeah, I don't want to watch that one again. <laughs> or we could watch uh, God's Not Dead. We could do God's Not Dead, or we could do, I would love to do A Thief in the Night with you. We could do a God's Not Dead marathon where we watch all the God's Not Dead movies. It now, is... that's the occasion for Magic Mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> no, Kurt Cameron might make a Christian out of me yet. Uh, <laughs> hey, gosh. Uh, no, that's never happening. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. Um if if you guys liked this episode, if this episode gets hella downloads, then maybe we'll do another one of these sometime soon because this was a lot of fun. Um, next week, we're talking about exorcisms for Halloween. So that's going to be a super fun topic. We're going to talk about who, Bob Larson and his team of exorcism ladies. Like the, the, what are they called? The Bob Larson soul squad. I can't uh, remember. I don't know. They have some fancy schmancy name. And they go around and do exorcisms to people and knock demons out of them with the Bible. They hit people in the head with the Bible and the demons just fly right out. You can see it. Um, we're going to talk all about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, if you like the show, if you want to subscribe to the show, subscribe on wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast, where you will find a very extended and ad-free version of today's episode. You will find... You can join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. And you can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. Sadie, you want to plug your social media? Sure. You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music, on Twitter at Hell yes, Sadie, or on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E. And thank you so much. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye. So thank
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.